Welcome to the Pop Goes the Culture podcast for Friday, December the 13th. We are coming to you from the home studio for this mid-December episode. My name is Joey Mills, and joining me today, I've got... K-Dub. And we're supposed to be on vacation, still. (laughs) Supposed to be taking a break. Uh, Our regular weekly episodes are on hiatus through the rest of 2019, but we're still giving you a new show every couple weeks during the holiday break that we're on. Just so you don't forget us, you still give us lots of love. Absolutely. Uh, This week, we have got a couple things going on. First up, we're going to be talking with Clarissa Tebow, whose Marvel's Runaways is airing its third and final season today on Hulu. And we are bringing you one of the... Definitely one of the largest and one of the most fun convention panels we've been on in a while. Uh, It was a podcaster and YouTuber jam session from last weekend's Geekmas, where we had folks from this podcast, Fanatics and the Fan, Nerd Informants, Sift Pop, Do You Nerd, and Pop Culture Minefield helping us to take a look at the top stories in entertainment and pop culture from 2019. Stick around, all that and much, much more right after this. All right, we are going to kick off our conversation with Clarissa Tebow from Marvel's Runaways. Enjoy the interview. We are joined on the line today by an actress probably best known for her role as Zavin on Marvel's Runaways, whose third and final season is available today on Hulu. We are speaking with Clarissa Tebow. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hello, I'm really good. I'm glad to be here. For those who aren't familiar with your story, tell us a little bit about yourself and your path to Hollywood. So I, um, (laughs) my path to Hollywood has been an interesting one. I had a lot of um, work before Runaways in B-movie horror, which are very fun. And if you're looking into that, please go check them out. I think they're all on Hulu now um, or Amazon. But I went to school for theater arts, and I had been in theater my whole life. And um, I've been living in L.A. for the last six years, and Runaways kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm so happy that I that I booked the show and got to be on such an amazing set. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So my acting career has been up and down, but this is definitely an up point right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Were, did you come from a background that was involved in show business at all? Are your parents in show business, or are they creative people, or...? No, so I am the only one, I'm pretty sure, in my family um, on either side who has pursued this career. Um, Everybody else is like nurses and doctors and lawyers and teachers and stuff like that. So this was kind of something that I just discovered on my own. I think I I I heard about um, an acting workshop on Radio Disney when I was nine, and that was it. Right. I was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so where, where did you go to school? It was kind of something that I've always just been interested in. Yeah. Where did you um, end up going I to school? I went to school for college or for uh, high school? For uh, college, I'm sorry. College. I went to San Diego State University. Okay. Go Aztec. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and so from there, the transition from San Diego State to L.A., did you make that jump right away or how did that go for you? Yeah, so I I finished my four years and got my undergrad at San Diego State, and then that same summer that I graduated, I moved up to L.A. and and was actually living in downtown L.A. for a while, which was fun. And 
got my first movie as soon as I got here and booked like a couple commercials when I got here and was doing really well and kind of thought that this is easy. Like, it's going to be great. And then I, like a year later, I didn't book anything and I was like really struggling. Um, and then it started kind of slowly. I would get a new thing and another new thing and, and uh, was able to learn how to live with acting and then with waiting because right. like, so much of acting is just waiting. Absolutely. Which I'm still working on, but yeah, <laughs> so it was, it, it was a, a little, you know, I think it happens to a lot of people out here in LA. Yeah. You start strong and then, you know, fall on times where it's not quite as strong. What was that first job? What was the, was it the movie first or the ads first? Um, I, I want to think the movie was first. I, I booked this role. I played a rookie cop named Cookie in this movie <laughs> called Bruno and Arlene Go to Vegas. Yep. Oh, and it yeah, was like classic. this LGBT Western movie, um, which is so fun. It was so fun. Like, we had a cop car and, like, I had a baton and everything <laughs> fully dressed to the nines and um, got to go chasing these, these kids who were um, squatting in houses. It was, it's an interesting movie. If you have a chance to watch it, Simon Savory, the one who wrote it and directed it, he's brilliant and lovely, such a lovely person. And the movie was a lot of fun to work on. But that was the first gig I had. So it was it was uh, a nice introduction to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, you've been involved with a number of projects, not just in front of the camera, but behind the scenes as well. Um, talk to us a little bit about the difference between hustling through writing and production versus working as an actress on a project maybe that someone else has written and produced. Yeah, so when it comes to writing, I feel like writing and acting for me are sort of similar in that I get to be so creative and I get to, you know, explore a lot of different aspects of myself. With producing, it's hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wouldn't say I think producing so hard. I have so much respect for producers. They're amazing. <laughs> they are the ones behind the scenes making everything run really smooth. And that is not easy. Um, and I have done it. I'm not the biggest fan of being a producer. But sometimes when there's a project that you really believe in, you have to put on that producing hat so you can see it through and make sure it, it actually happens. Right. Um, and I, and then for a while I was a stylist, which was really fun. But I don't know. I, I've done. I've worn a lot of hats in Hollywood. Right. And um, it's been a lot of fun. But I think true true to my core, I'm an actor, and writing is also another creative outlet that I really enjoy. I was always curious um, when you have somebody that is an actor that is very much an art. And you also said that you do like the stylist and that's an art too. Do you have any other artistic, do you, like do you draw, paint, sculpt, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, actually, I paint a lot. I got really into painting. Um, there was one year where I was just dirt broke. I was, I wouldn't go outside because I was afraid of spending money I barely had enough to pay my rent. And so something that I would do as a creative outlet so that I didn't go outside was paint. I had gotten some acrylic paint from friends and some canvas at one point, And then I just started painting and really loved it. 
Um, so I have paintings that I've made all around my house that I love, but yeah, kind of came along really strangely. I, I didn't, I've never studied art or anything, but I really enjoy painting and drawing when I have the, when I have the time. That's awesome. Now I don't have as much time, but. Which is a good yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as we mentioned yeah, we earlier, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, you're probably best known to us uh, for your work on Marvel's Runaways. You joined the cast during the show's second season. Uh, Runaways has such a large ensemble cast that was already well established before you, before you made your on-screen introduction. Tell us a little bit about the benefits mm-hmm. and the challenges of joining uh, an already established, you know, series and already established cast, and then you're kind of the new girl. Uh, talk to us about, like I said, the challenges right. and, what, and and how maybe things were. You didn't expect it to go so well, or you got, you know, it was harder than you thought. Talk to us a little bit about joining the cast. Right. The experience was very much in line with joining a new school halfway through the school year. Right. Everyone already knows each other. Everyone already has their um, very solid relationships that they've built over the last you know, season and a half before I came in. However, I will say that the cast, I guess they were looking for my character for a long time. They were looking for Zavin for a long time. Mm-hmm. And when I went to that first table read where I met the entire cast, um, everyone was so welcoming, open arms, so many hugs. Um, everyone was so excited that, that Davin was going to be on the show. Right. So it was a really nice um, welcoming moment that put me a little bit more at ease because I hadn't been on a show as big as um, Runaways before. I didn't know really what to expect. I was trying to be as confident as possible while still having, you know, <laughs> a frog in my throat a little bit. Right. Um, but everyone made me feel really, really comfortable and and um, like I was supposed to be there, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, however, there were things that happened, too, where, you know, there were certain people I really connected with and had these really deep, interesting conversations with. I, not that I you know, didn't think that would happen, but I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't necessarily expecting it to either. Didn't know how much um, people kept to themselves versus how much it was like a family. And I was pleasantly surprised by the whole experience. And I've become really good friends with some of the people on set and like Ariella and I have become really good friends. I see her all the time yeah, um, and talk to her all the time. I think, but, for, um, yeah, but yeah, on. no, it's, it, Oh, go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead and finish. Oh, okay. I was just going to say that it, it was, it, I think it was the best experience I could have hoped for. That's like, good. everyone's so lovely. Yeah. And, you know, you never know what you're going to walk into on a set, but <laughs> I walked into a great set, so I'm happy. Good. <laughs> I think for the public at large, there's this perception that because it's a Marvel series, that production on Runaways must operate on a larger scale than many other comparable series that make their homes on a non-network streaming platform like Hulu. Um, you've been with the series for a couple of seasons now. How does working on Runaways compare with the other projects you've been involved with? Runaways blows all my other projects kind of out of the water in terms of production. Right. The set design alone on Runaways is impeccable. I remember the first time, um, I'm actually friends with someone who did graphic design outside of Runaways. It's kind of funny. We didn't realize we were going to be working on the same show. 
she showed me uh, on my first day, I think it was the day I was getting my hair, my first hair and wardrobe test done Mm -hmm. before I shot for the first time. Um, We went to lunch together and she brought me to the hostel, the hostel set. And it was so incredible how you walk into the set and it feels like you're in an entirely different world. They, they've just done such a magnificent job with the details. Um, and that's something I had never truly experienced before at, at that scale. So it was, it's, it's been, it's been incredible. Um, and some of the things that we're able to do on the show too, um, working with different equipment that I had never seen before. It's just been, it's been a learning experience and it's also been, um, wildly magical <laughs> talking about that the learning experiences what insight or knowledge have you gained from working on runaways that you expect that you're going to take with you to other projects um i think a lot of the projects i had worked on before were lower budget more indie and i i would always do my best to try and help in any way that i could and mm-hmm. on a show like runaways you have to stay in your lane. Like there were times where I really wanted to help pick up things, but there's literally someone being paid for that. And if I do that, it's kind of taking away their job or I could get injured. You know, there's so many other factors to it. So there was a lot of no, just step back and let someone else do it. And that was something that I, I now have um, a better understanding of, you know, you can kind of sense, get it a little bit, but from the outside, but from the inside, I was like, Oh, okay. Like literally I shouldn't touch anything. (laughs) (laughs) I should just stay in my lane. (laughs) Talking about your character a little bit. Zavin's an interesting character for a number of reasons Um, to prior to your arrival on the show, the aliens on the show have been presented as selfish. You might even say parasitic in the relationship with the humans in the cast. Mm. Uh, Zavin presents differently um, from what we have seen. Uh, Zavin's focused and determined in that belief that she and Carolina are subjects of prophecy, but she's not a threatening presence. It's different from what we've seen um, or have had portrayed uh, prior to that. Talk a little bit about how you balance portraying this alien character kind of an unknowable character against finding (laughs) the humanity in that character that the audience can actually connect to and relate to when i first found out i was going to be zavin i went to uh all the comic book stores in my area and just started grabbing the runaways comics off the shelf and flipping through to see any scenes where you know zavin was more prominent which is kind of hard because Davin shapes shifts into everyone. Right. So sometimes Davin would be in a scene. I didn't realize it was Davin. Um, but that being said, I learned a lot from the comics that then I tried to help inform how I uh, acted in the show. The reality is Davin has a very interesting um, background as a warrior. So a lot of where it's coming from is not of a place of, I I see Zavin as this person who's used to getting direction, Mm -hmm. like getting uh, what the mission is and executing it. So in that way, um, Zavin can be a little bit awkward or cold, but at the same time, Zavin's constantly learning. 
So I tried to make sure that when things would happen that maybe Gavin wasn't aware of previously, that they consume that knowledge and then apply that knowledge at a later time. I tried to just make sure that Gavin's always curious and always, always paying attention to what's going on around them. It's interesting so to that hear you. That question. Yeah, and I it's interesting. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and it's interesting to hear you talk about how you know she's a warrior because you, even though you are the new character, you know, at that point in the series, you portray her as coming from a position of strength, not as from a position of, you know, I'm the new person. I don't understand what's happening. It could easily have fallen the other direction, but the way that you portray the character, you can tell that she's very strong and confident and determined in in meeting her objectives. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's also a bit of um, where Davin comes from, at least what I know of it, of the world that our writers have created and the world that the comics have created. They're in kind of an, an advanced society. Right. So when Davin comes to Earth, there's not really, you know, there's nothing to prove to these people. Right necessarily. Davin's on a mission. Right. There's nothing to prove. And Davin doesn't have the same desire to be liked necessarily. Davin just knows what, what their path is and and is trying to do anything they can to, to fulfill the prophecy. You wrapped on Runaways Which months even ago. Even in that yeah. sometimes that backfires but <laughs> Oh go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I know you've wrapped on <laughs> Runaways a while ago. What other projects that you can talk about have you been working on since then and what do you have lined up for 2020? I have, well, since um, right now I'm working on a show where I'm actually putting on my producer hat, right. my writer hat, and my acting hat called RXR, which is, is a series that I wrote with a friend of mine, and we're currently uh, in pre-production for it. We were able to do, uh, we did a crowdfunding campaign to raise $10,000, so now we're in the process of creating that on our own. So it's totally indie where we have this story that we're super passionate about and we're doing everything in our power to make it a reality. And we, we brought on a really amazing team of women who are going to help us tell this story. Um, so that's been kind of my main focus lately. Of course, I'm always auditioning for new projects as they come along and pilot season is just around the corner. Right. Um, and I'm hoping it'll be a good pilot season. <laughs> but um, I did. I've also done a few short films, but I don't know if I can talk about them yet. Yeah, that's why I, I want to throw that disclaimer of, in there. What one, you can yeah. talk about, yeah. Well, talk a yeah. little bit about the. I know. I'm not sure if I can talk about them, but they're <laughs> going to be great. Everything's going to be great. <laughs> talk a little bit about. I mean, I'm fascinated by the the crowdfunded stuff because it seems like we're not quite there yet to call it a paradigm shift, but we're certainly seeing uh, that as a platform that's continuing to grow, not just in numbers, but in, you know, legitimate actors and writers like yourself who are taking that on as, hey, I can get this made for without having to go jump through the hoops and the go over the hurdles that a studio is going to um, put in front of me. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your experience with the whole the whole crowdfunding side. Crowdfunding is a production within itself. Right. It is so much work. You you have to put so much into it to get out what, to get success. So um, it's, <laughs> it's something I kind of wish we didn't have to necessarily do 
Right. Because I'm not the biggest fan of producing, as I said earlier. But I, um, it is one of those those sections of our society where you can truly see, you know, the direct connection between people and the amount of generosity from even people who I consider acquaintances, you know, like people who are my friends and people who are outskirts and people who don't even really know me, who believe in, believe in the project, saw what we were going to do and thought this is a good idea too. It's incredibly humbling. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about crowdfunding is you actually get to see, um, you know, where the money's coming from, who is shouting you out, who's supporting you and also build a whole community of support. So it, it's got its pros and cons. We, we definitely tried to, initially we had tried to um, pitch the show, but everyone we had talked to didn't want to take it on at the moment, and we didn't want to wait. So we decided crowdfunding was the way to go. And it was a success. I mean, we made, we made the, min- the amount that we needed to make something that's going to be beautiful. That's so, great. And, and it also was just a humbling experience. So I think it was, it was the right thing to do. Very good. Well, let's wrap this up real quick with a pop quiz. I'm going to throw a couple of questions at you and you just answer them oh, off God. the top of your head. <laughs> there's no grades, so don't worry. Okay. We're, not, we're not going to hold this against you later. Uh, number one, one creator that I would absolutely love to work with is... Wait, sorry, the sound cut out. What was the question? Uh, one creator that I would absolutely love to work with, and creator is as broad as you want to make it. One creator that you would love to work with is? Okay. Uh, Mike Sure. Okay. Why is that? I just love all his shows. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, like, yeah, like, there's, just, there's just so many things. Yeah, I <laughs> That's okay. a goal. <laughs> All right, there you go. If he's listening, uh, one story that I would love to bring to the screen is. Ooh, uh, oh dang! Well, the one I'm thinking, I don't want to say because I've already started to <laughs> research on it. Okay, it's a bio. It's a biopic that I really want to do, but I don't want to say because I don't want anybody to steal my idea. <laughs> Fair enough. But I know what I want to do. <laughs> you are giving us a lot more credit for who you think listens to this show. <laughs> but no, I, that's, that's fine. <laughs> uh, number three, and I think you've kind of already answered this, but we'll ask it anyway. Number three, writer or actor? Actor. All right. And number four to wrap it up, NorCal or SoCal? Oh, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have to say NorCal. I'm from NorCal. Yeah, very good. Well, Clarissa, <laughs> we can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with us today. Uh, where can our listeners find you online? On Instagram, you can find me at Clarissa. So it's my first name. And on Twitter, you can find me at Clarissa T. So Clarissa and then the first letter of my last name. Very good. Well, catch Clarissa in season three of Marvel's Runaways right now on Hulu. And please keep us in the know about what you've got coming up. Uh, we would absolutely love to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me. It was Absolutely. a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs>
Thanks to Clarissa for taking some time to talk with us today. She just is a lot of fun. She's oh my nice. god, so nice, she so sweet. Made sounds the time. like a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> she is so in, easy to talk to. Absolutely. Um, you never know what you're going to get with some of these things. We've had folks who have been <laughs> not so easy to talk to, and every once in a while, you get a gem like that where it's like, and you. Could, she definitely feels like somebody you could just talk to on the street or, you know, oh, yeah. if you're friends with or, you know, just. Well, that, and I was like, okay, I have these questions I want. And as she was talking, she was just, the I, information I, I, kept exactly. coming. I was like, well, never mind. She just answered that. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw me as I'm going through the questions. Like, okay, that's already answered. That's yep. already answered. Yeah, she was definitely a pro at this. Knows oh, how, to, yeah. how to do that. Uh, so be sure to check out all three seasons of Marvel's Runaways. It's streaming right now on Hulu. Next up, we've got the audio from our jam session panel last weekend's uh, Geekmas 2019. Again, the panel included our hosts from the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Uh, we had folks from the Fanatics and the Fan podcast, uh, Nerd Informants, who have a, their YouTube channel, Sift Pop, the podcast, uh, Do You Nerd on YouTube. They're and, awesome. I yeah. love those two. They are oh, yeah. so nice. They've, they've, been, uh, <laughs> they've been sticking around for a while now. I'm yeah. glad we were finally able to pin them down. Yeah. Uh, and Pop Culture Minefield over on YouTube. We all got together. We discussed what we think are some of the top stories from the world of entertainment and pop culture in 2019. After this, after you're done listening, be sure to find and follow each of them online, on social media, subscribe to their YouTube channel, or their podcast in your podcast player of choice. We have the links to all of their information, where to find all the folks that participated in the episode description with this podcast and over on our website at popgoestheculture.com. Uh, the audio quality is not the best because we had a lot of people in a tiny space and messing with microphones. Sometimes things get a little squirrely. So I did my best to try to clean it up. Apologies to Curtis and Steve, but there was nothing I could do to make you guys sound better. Yeah, you uh, guys were too many people over for me to help you push the, move the mic back up to your face. Yeah. I uh, do a lot of that when we're doing it because Joey <laughs> kind of looks at me. I'm like, oh, yeah, got it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, So it's a little quiet in spots. And again, I apologize for that. I was, wasn't able to tease out anything that didn't sound horrible, even worse than the silence. Uh, but we definitely want to thank everybody that participated in that. And it was a lot of fun. And here it is, our panel from Geekmas 2019. Welcome to the podcast and YouTubers Jam panel 2019 presented by Pop Goes the Culture Podcast and Fanatics and the Fan. We are coming to you live from Fanatics and the Fans Geekmas 2019, benefiting Toys for Tots at the Creamery Art Center here in downtown Springfield, Missouri. My name is Joey Mills with the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. And joining me on this massive, huge panel, we have some of the most talented podcasters and YouTubers in the area. I'm going to let them go through, introduce themselves, and tell you where you can find what they're doing online. So we'll start here in the corner and go around, and I'll get you guys up top here in just a minute. Hey, what is up, everybody? Thanks for hanging out with us on the podcast today, this, this panel. It's uh, Josh Grisham, Tim Church. Uh, we comprise Nerd Informants based in Branson, Missouri, and you can find us across the interwebs, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube at Nerd Informants. Uh, I'm Raylene. I'm actually with uh, Fanatics and Fan, and I do a lot of cosplay work in the area, so I'm not sure why I'm with all these talented people. But, like, okay. Um, but you can find me with Fanatics and the Fan or UCL or really any... Springfield cosplay anything. I'm a part of Kira Kira Springfield too, so really anything. I'm with. Ahoy, everybody. This is Andrew, <laughs> uh, formerly from the Flick Freaks YouTube channel, now co host of the Sit Pop Podcast. Uh, I'm Aaron Dicer. I co host the Sit Pop Podcast with Andrew. Uh, you can also find us at sitpop.com, view articles and that kind of stuff there. 
Uh, I also write and edit for CinemaSins on YouTube, and I also do the movie reviews for KY3 uh, here in town, and uh, and the uh, Broadcast Film Critics Association. And so, just got my nomination ballot in yesterday for the Critics' Choice Awards. So, Yay. I am. I watched 22 movies in the last seven days. <laughs> so you're a little fried. Oh, I'm a little brain fried, but, uh, but, it's, but it's been fun. So, yeah. Dude. <laughs> I know. Ah, Keith. Uh, let's see. Co-creator of Fanatics and the Fan and co-host and co-creator of Pop Culture Minefield. And you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or wherever various products that we put out are sold. Fair enough. That's a voice right there. <laughs> uh, I'm K-Dub. Um, do the Pop Goes the Culture podcast with Joey. Uh, we are Tom and Lacey with Do You Nerd on YouTube, and we just collect all kinds of stuff. We go to lots of events. I don't know what we're doing in this room with all of you awesome people. We were just looking for the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'm Curtis. I am with Fanatics and the Fan, and you may Oops. hear me guest starring on uh, Pop Goes the Culture. Hey, I'm Stephen Denton, and I'm also with Fanatics and the Fan, a local actor, and you can find me often at the Springfield Improv. My next show will be in yes, 10 minutes. The 13th, uh, Friday Double Feature. There you go. Up top, let's go in this corner. I'm Jessica, a.k.a. Cinnamon, with Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. Dusty Trails with Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. I like long walks to the park. And <laughs> <laughs> what do you I'm think Dakota about the Hedge color blue? Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, <laughs> local dude. And... Uh, <laughs> Dustin with the Pop Goes the Culture podcast. Well, thanks to Joey. <laughs> Tell us what you do, Justin. What else? What's your day job, Dustin? Oh, I'm the comic manager at Vintage Stock on South Wednesday. So if you need comics, Dustin's your man. Well, as you heard, we are all fans, critics, collectors, and creators from right here in the Midwest, bringing you podcasts, YouTube episodes on entertainment, our interests. Uh, our thoughts on life and society through the prism of pop culture. And we are thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have everybody here today on the panel and you guys here joining us as well. Here's how this is going to work, and it's going to work quickly now that this panel got time cut off of it. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to touch on a few of the stories in entertainment and pop culture from 2019. We'll give you our takes on them. Um, and I'm sure with a group this big, we will have some varied takes on them. After that, we'll open the floor to you guys for a few questions and answers. Um, if you have questions about podcasting, YouTube, entertainment, pop culture, personal questions, whatever the case might be, feel free to ask them. We don't have to answer them, but if you don't ask them, we won't answer them, so go ahead and ask your questions. And then at the end, we're going to do a Pop Goes the Culture favorite. We're going to end this thing with a pop quiz, and we're going to give away some of these prizes over my shoulder here for those who can correctly answer some of our questions. Before we do that, has everybody had a good time at Geekmas today so far? Yes. Yes? Very good. All right. Absolutely. All right, well, let's take a look at a few of the headlines from 2019 in the world of entertainment and pop culture. First up, New Year, New Obsession. January brought us the U.S. network premiere of The Masked Singer, which kind of covers cosplay, right? It's kind of relevant. <laughs> Providing our weekly dose of Kim Jong and people in costumes singing some more successfully than others. Do we have any Masked Singer fans here? Raise your hands. Thank you. I know there's a few. I, 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 television I watch. I, it's, it's one of my favorite genres. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thoughts on the Masked Singer? You like the Masked Singer? You love it? 
Kenny, I know you're a big fan. Oh, I love it. I, I'm more wrong than I am right, trying to guess who they are. But, right. And I've been pretty impressed with some of the voices from the different people that have been on there. It's, so it's really fun to watch. I'm curious. He doesn't sing. He's a, he's he a judge. To <laughs> <in the> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I'm actually more interested in the costumes they're wearing than what, who's there or who's singing. Some of those, and it's funny knowing some folks that have worked on the production. Uh, those things are put together with tape and a prayer in a lot of cases. So. You mean like early MTV? Like, like entry level cosplay in some cases. <laughs> yeah. by oh, 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 oh. Yeah. definitely early MTV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, up next, which one's Bradley Cooper dating? Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga stole the show at February's Academy Awards, performing Shallow from A Star Is Born. I know we talked about it on our show and on others that we have hosted at the time. Uh, boy, those two have chemistry. And I don't know if we want to say much more than that. Oh, yeah. She was really into him. He, he kept like, no, no. no not <laughs> on TV. Can't do that here. Wife. Curtis, I know you want to say something. I can see it. I just, yeah, it's whatever. I, I didn't like the movie. <laughs> right. That's fine. But, you know, hey, they got chemistry. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want it. Oh, I don't know. I, I, he didn't seem to be shying away all that much. Kenny saw him shying away more than I did. Wow. Didn't know we were going there. All right. <laughs> Next up, Varsity Blues. That was the name of a sting operation. Uh, in March, a number of wealthy individuals, including actress Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, were arrested in a federal sting operation for their roles in a pay-to-play college admissions scandal. Hey, that 11 days was hard on her. You settle down. Yeah. It was tough being in Honestly, club fed. I'm surprised that celebrities will pay extra for finer things than liking for their kids. Shocking, isn't it? I know. Who would have thunk it? Any thoughts from the uh, peanut gallery? Nothing we're giving. All right, fair enough. <laughs> You've come a long way. Effects houses have really upped their game when it comes to de-aging in films. Most recently, we saw this in Scorsese's The Irishman. Uh, it seems like the Marvel Cinematic Universe really were the first to maybe perfect. It's not the right word, but to, in the current iteration, they've certainly uh, set the bar, I think. Um, however, it's a director's choice in how you use computer-generated effects, and not every director is always making the best choices. For example, you can see Alita Battle Angel and the original design for Sonic the Hedgehog from this year as examples of choices um, that were made. For better or for worse. You think that was James Cameron choice? I think it was a choice. I'm sure. I'm, I don't think anything comes out of the uh, Hollywood James Cameron name on it that he doesn't have some say in. What, what was your issue with uh, Alina? I was about to say, I think that was intentional. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. And, and, it, and the issue wasn't so much the design they chose, because it's comic accurate, the design, having yeah. the oversized eyes and, and definitely the, um, the youthful, you know. The dollicious. Yeah, it, but it certainly felt, um, it didn't, the computer graphics didn't feel, it, it felt like you were playing a video game. It felt like you were playing a video game from 2004. Um, it, to me, I know not, not everybody, the film itself, no comments on the film. I mean, yeah. some people liked it, some folks didn't. You're, you're basically saying, you know, it's it, a choice. It's a choice that okay. they made. They, they said, this is what we're going with, this is what we're putting out there. Um, 
Well, where we're at is interesting, right? Because the more the technology can do for directors, the more choices they have on how to use it. Absolutely. So when you've got the ability to basically paint with digital computer animation, um, you you've got a big toolbox, and you know you're seeing the casting news about you know casting James Dean and you know in a new movie that kind of stuff. Right. This is just I mean we're five maybe ten years away from fully digital actors that you can't even tell, and it's. You know, people coming up now, actors coming up now are told to get scanned <laughs> yeah, by their exactly. agent. <laughs> while you're so, young. Yes. While you're young, so that they have that reference point, you know, for your career. It's just a part of acting now is knowing that you will be a digital creation. Which which makes, you know, the whole John Wayne thing really cool. Yeah. Because he is the only one that they can actually bring back and have everything. All of his movies, everything. Because they were talking about this back in 97. And because of the breadth of career that he had, if they started using digital actors, I think one of the first dead ones will be John Wayne because you can bring him back now from 24 to 78 and all points in between. And because of all those movies, they have enough words that he's spoken in right. every film that you can piece together, together right. even new things for him to say. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It could I mean it's a paradigm shift? It yeah, will, it will cost some people jobs. I mean, but it will create jobs for people who are behind the cameras as well. So and the days of the uncanny valley with the Grand Moff Tarkin kind of stuff—that's you, know, <laughs> you could definitely see. I think 2019 was the year you could say, "Okay, we are officially crossing over that precipice to where you can't even recognize yeah. the digital effects." It looks. Too real. Yeah, when they go photorealistic, yeah. we're certainly there. Yeah. When we're making those other choices to we're not go as photorealistic. Cat in Toy Story 4. That cat in Toy Story 4 <laughs> looks like an actual cat. Yeah. It looks like you just filmed a cat. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of cats, I, I we have that movie. Reading, um, that oh, God, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don Williams actually restricted the use of his image before he died so that they get, no one can put his digital, digital image into Game of Thrones ended with a whimper. Fans were fans were none too happy with the final shortened season of HBO's Game of Thrones. It For appeared now. to many, right or wrong, that showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss cut the season and the series short to go chasing that Star Wars money. The duo subsequently parted ways with Lucasfilm after a report surfaced that they didn't have any idea what they were doing at any point in time on Game of Thrones, including when they approached George R.R. R. Martin to get the rights to make the show, the show for HBO. Don't feel bad for the pair, though. The reason they're no longer at Lucasfilm is because they're off chasing that Netflix money currently. Anybody like the last season of Game of Thrones? You know, they're like episodes and parts. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think, I think that pretty much all the stuff I liked is because of the, the groundwork that George laid out. Yeah. Know, and, and just, I, they just, they didn't have enough time. Like oh, they have the time. They chose not to. Well, actually, again, yeah, it's a right. choice. Yeah, again, yes, you're right. But I just mean they, they put themselves in a corner and they, they couldn't get out. Nobody puts baby. You know, the, the cinematography and the visual side of that, I don't think it was ever in question at any right. point. But I will say this. As that season came to a close, that's one barbecue I didn't want an invitation to at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, I think that the view of the final season will probably depend on how well people like the last star wars i'm saying right now depending on how that movie works out our tune could change just a little bit on game of thrones so <laughs> fair enough yeah. I, I think we can thread the needle and connect those dots up 
But TV was far from all bad. Critical and fan favorites premiered in 2019 included Russian Doll. Russian Doll, show of hands. Russian Doll fans. Very good. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows over at FX. There we go. The Boys over on Amazon. Does it feel like Amazon's a player now, finally, after yeah. Good Omens and well, The Boys? With that show, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But that, that it also proves, though, that Sony chicken, because that's a Sony series. Right. That they're distributing through Amazon, so you know, I'm uh, Boys was really good. Boys was really good. And I've had this discussion about Amazon how you wouldn't think about them as a player because you only get Amazon Prime primarily for because you got the free shipping, right? Exactly, and you think of you know Amazon like TV and stuff as an afterthought, but yes, they're coming out with stuff like Boys and. Even their movies have been phenomenal. Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, if if Apple TV Plus is successful, it will because be because of some of the same reasons. Yeah. Because the point of entry is so painless for so many people. Right. Um, so you know, and that's that's great. You know, if you've got other avenues, then yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think people, if you bought an Apple product within the last year, you get one year free yeah. Apple TV. Yep. And the shows are good. The morning show is great, and so is C. And you said the Shyamalan series. Servant is great till. You know what? I actually can't say anything. Right? Are you still I, under embargo? I think I'm under embargo. Those NDAs, yeah. Uh, also, again, HBO, while Game of Thrones wrapped up, we've gotten Chernobyl, which is kind of that prestige series or limited series. series ever. Absolutely. And Watchmen, of course, going on currently. And then most recently with Disney Plus, we've gotten The Mandalorian, which is all the buzz on social media. Whoa, whoa, and you skip over what the Umbrella Academy? Umbrella Anybody Academy's enjoyed on that list? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. We yeah. finally saw. We've seen something. Hey, <laughs> the <Yeah>. show. <laughs> you see that one? I get that reference. <laughs> all right, fair enough. And and the coming of the Expanse. Yes, that to me is probably one of the best science fiction series. Period. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's Absolutely. definitely what Enterprise should have been for Star Trek, and what Discovery can't touch. Is is the expanse? So the, the move to Amazon has certainly helped that series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of stagnant when it was over there on Sci-Fi. Yeah, because really nobody has Sci-Fi. Well, well we have it. <laughs> we just <laughs> thought, we all skip through it on the guide as we're looking for something to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Watchmen, it's, it's been interesting. It's been interesting. It's had its ups and downs, I'd say, but I, I've been interesting. Yeah. I just, they're, they're kind of under, taking it in a different. I I just said on our podcast today, I think it's the best TV show I've seen in five years. I, I think it's astonishing what Lindelof is doing on Watchmen. I, I, and now, this is coming from somebody who isn't a fan of the, well, not isn't a fan, hasn't read the original graphic novel. I've just never had it in my life. Yeah. And uh, and I've heard people say you can't enjoy the show unless you know you, you know the backstory. That's not true at all. You're able to keep up with the rest. Oh, you yeah. you kind of know well, the touchstones and mystery in the show anyway. Yeah. And so you just assume the storytellers are going to reveal the things you need to know, but just thematically and visually, and like it's just playing on a whole other level in my opinion. And all the things you don't understand, you just assume it's Lindelof. <laughs> That's right. Well, and if you have read the graphic novel, the comics originally, yeah. you know you didn't get those answers until the end anyway. So yeah. you kind of, well, as you're well, watching the series, it's like, you know what? They're going to give it to me in episode nine. When they they, they are the taking a lot of cues from the graphic novel. There are things and choices, shots that they do that are meant to echo things from the comic. 
but I mean, if you've never read, you don't get it until you actually read it. That way you have that ah moment. It's like, oh, that's what they were doing. So, I mean, you know, it, you can definitely tell that, that Lindelof is a fan of the, the novel. You can definitely tell that. Absolutely. And so. it's one of the things that we've talked about on the Pop Goes Culture podcast. You know, sometimes you hear a song and you really like it and you find out it's a cover yeah. of a song and you, you go back and listen to the original and you're like, you know, well, yes, that might be the original, but this is my version because that's the one I heard first and that's yeah. what I connected to. Yeah. And for fans of Watchmen, the series who haven't read the graphic novel, it's kind of like, well, this is my version of Watchmen. And if yeah. I go back and read it, maybe I'll like it, maybe I won't, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't diminish yeah. what my entry is. Whether, yeah. you know, whether I, it's, there are people sitting up here in the balcony who will say, my Star Wars is the prequel series because that's the first ones I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. I still wouldn't say that. Well, I don't, <laughs> you don't have to say that, Dakota. I know what you're thinking. Calling you out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see, taking a look. Old Town Road broke records and barriers. The song broke the record for the most consecutive weeks atop the Billboard. Top 100 earned Trent Reznor his first country music award. And Little Nas X became the first gay black man on Forbes' highest paid country acts list. Broke a whole lot of records, broke some barriers as well. It was probably maybe not the best song of 2019, but certainly the probably the catchiest, the one that certainly found the, the zeitgeist. Old Town Road. You want to sing it for us, Curtis? That's whatever. I, I, like, I like the, uh, the, the video for it is hilarious. Yeah. I love, I finally watched it. I'd never heard the song before, and I was like, okay, I'm going to finally do it. So I watched the video. video is way better than the song. <laughs> Fair enough. Not really, but uh, speaking of Trevor Mason, the Washington School is really Oh, jeez. That song that they did. Well, I was going to say, we're going to reconvene that, that, this that panel. That Bowie yeah. song they had last week, that was amazing and probably one of the most downloaded songs of any television show of the past five years is yeah. that version. Yeah, so, they certainly. Yeah. They have, the pedigree is there for Washington. Oh, they are geez. top of the class. Speaking of breaking records, comic book properties had a huge 2019 Marvel's Avengers Endgame, became the highest grossing film of all time, and DC's Joker became the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. You know who didn't watch either one of those? Martin Scorsese. <laughs> and Lacey, apparently, in the back. No, I haven't watched okay. Joker. I've seen okay. Marvel, but not Joker. Fair enough. Uh, are we at peak? Have we? Is it all downhill from here? Or no. is there still room to... The, there's, there's a lot of different stuff coming out of comics that have yet to be adapted. I don't think... If, if, if superheroes is all you really want, then, yeah, we may have peaked. But as far as adapting graphic novels, we're not even close. Yeah, I think I think in game in many ways will be seen as a peak for the superheroes uh, phenomenon. Uh, I would be surprised if it elevates to that level again. Um, but you see this with other musicals, uh, westerns. They all had their time, and it seemed like every movie coming out was a western, or every movie coming out was a musical. And then, then people started doing kind of creative, different things. And I think that's the evolution we're in for the next decade is doing the creative, fun The stuff. riff on the comic. I agree yeah, with yeah. that. That sounds about right. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how far we can go on the outside to see how Vin Diesel and Bloodshot does. I think that's going to be a good barometer yeah. to see how far good. outside Marvel and DC we can go. And, 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 and I would love to see certain properties that haven't been attempted yet attempted. I'd, I'd love to see the Savage Dragon. 
that would make a unique television series. And I think Apple or at least Amazon could do something like that. Well, and we've, we've got to get outside of that climate, too. I mean, obviously, you, you drop Martin Scorsese and his comments, inflammatory or otherwise, were, were interesting to read. But I think when you take him and then you add Elizabeth Banks and obviously the Charlie's yeah. Angels reboot that came out, yeah. it flopped. And then we're putting the blame on comic book movies and men. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, yeah, it so is. you know, own up to it a little bit. But I, I, there, there's room for everybody to have success. That's right. Let's not pick on one genre or the other. That's right. Did it come? There you go. Yeah, it, yep. it came out. Yeah. It's, yeah. It did. It didn't. It didn't last Ouch. long. That hurts. <laughs> yeah, I think the marketing has more to do with it because the folks that have seen it have said it wasn't terrible. Wasn't yeah, great, but it wasn't. That's terrible. what I keep hearing. When you I mean, when you when you have a reboot like that, and then you come out of the theater going, "God, I love McGee." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drew Barrymore and McGee did a fantastic job with their version compared to what Elizabeth Banks was able to do with this. It's just bad marketing. I mean, rather than call it than what it is, she came out and said what she said. She made a choice. So, going boldly, CBS and Viacom are under the Paramount umbrella, bringing all of Star Trek together under a single rights holder. Even Marvel hasn't been able to get all of its IPs together again under one film and television studio. With Discovery, Picard, new shorts, new films, and more on the horizon, are the stars aligned for the Star Trek franchise, or is there still work to be done? Do you there think? is still and I know work you've to be got, done. I know you got comments. Yeah, yeah. so I'll let everybody else do theirs. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. We'll get to you, I promise. Yeah, yeah. Because I know you've got thoughts. Anybody thoughts on Star Trek? Any hardcore Star Trek fans in the group on the panel? Oh, hardcore? Yeah. A few, yeah. yeah. A few, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no. I love new Star Trek. New Star Trek. Not Star Trek. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, actually, OG Star Trek is, is great. It's a lot of fun. All of them. They all have their own place. So I think they're all good in their own rights, as long as you can separate each one of them and not compare one to the other one. That's fair. That's the a- best thing that the movies were able to do, we've talked about this, is that ensemble is just perfect. It's casting. perfect casting. casting. They did an amazing yeah. casting job with the new crew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the unfortunate thing. I think, will they get around to doing four? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I, 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 I know everybody wants to see it. They have amazing chemistry, but it's going to be about timing. It's going to be about scheduling because some of those, some of those actors and actresses are busy. Well, they've already announced it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. then, And now the the question is do you let the legend in the door? Do you let Mr. Tarantino have his way with Star Trek? That scares me, honestly. That scares me a lot. And again, it's, 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 I, I think, as I said earlier, I, I, I think that was a deal that was done through JJ. Now that JJ is basically terrorizing Warner Brothers, I mean, going to Warner Brothers, I think that, um, uh, I think that deal will probably just fade away. I think that, uh, Sherry Redstone and National Amusements and Viacom are wanting to do something a little bit different. And they're wanting, as far as she's concerned, to get back to the way Star Trek was prior to, say, 2005. Because she's not been a fan of everything that's happened from 2009 on. That, that she has made abundantly clear. And everybody that works at Viacom, they're very cognizant of that fact. And that might be some of the reasons why they've made some of the changes with the Picard series that weren't part of the original plan when they started it. So... And with the uh, Tarantino one, I'm just going to look at that basically how I looked at Brightburn with Superman. It's just a one-off. 
Yeah. It's an Elseworlds tale for the comic yeah. fans in the room. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, the thing is, though, Abrams had never seen Star Trek. He wasn't a Star Trek fan. And he, mm-hmm. I thought he did a great job for not being a fan, yes. not being anything. But he still wanted to make a movie for the fans, and he did a great job with that. So the only thing I'm worried about with Tarantino is, is is it going to be the first time we're going to have a lot of cussing in Star Trek? Well, he's a fan. He is a fan. He is a fan, but he's a big, big fan of classic original Trek. Right. That is the thing that motivates him. Every time you, you he talks about it, he always brings up classic original Trek. He doesn't understand the 2009 changes. He doesn't understand the whole alternative universe thing and he loves Shatner. But see, that's the thing though. That's what made the thing so great and you yeah. love it was that they altered the timeline so yeah. you didn't have to follow anything yes. and it made it yeah. perfect. I yeah. thought that they was They said we weren't brilliant. beholden to this. This is no longer Yeah, canon. Exactly. We're, We're not going to remake all the old Star Wars stuff because now we've got all new stories we can do and that was brilliant, I thought. Yeah, and that was that's the downfall of Discovery because they decided not to try to do that. Well, at least according to the press release that came out days before the premiere of the series, because prior to that, it was actually to be adjacent to the Kelvin right. timeline. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the cursing could be one thing, but also, too, if Quentin Tarantino has his hand at Star Trek, the entire film, two hours, 45 minutes, <laughs> takes place in one room of the Enterprise, and we've got the deepest conversations see. in Star Trek <laughs> That's history. Right. Kirk feeding his dog for 20 yeah. minutes. All right. <laughs> and finally, in headlines for 2019, it's Keanu Reeves' world, and we're all living in it. From John Wick 3 Parabellum yes. to Ali Wong's Always Be My Maybe to Toy Story 4 to his surprise appearance at E3 in the video game Cyberpunk 2077. And then bringing it all full circle, filming Bill and Ted Face the Music this year. 2019 was the Keanu Zants, the Reeves I'm not sure. It's the year of Keanu Reeves. That's for sure. Dude, I love that word. And this is a renaissance I want to live in for the rest of my life. I mean, I want to say it's long overdue for Keanu, but I am glad it's happening. I want to see more roles. Bring on Bill and Ted 3 Face the Music. I'm ready for it. Cyberpunk pre-ordered. I love Keanu. What's that? Yeah. Are you okay, Curtis? I'm fine. <laughs> Are you okay up there, guys? Yeah, we're good. All right. I think I think we're about what six months out from Bill and Ted, if even that. Uh, I think it's in August. I think it's I think it's Oh, okay. Is he in SpongeBob? Yeah, he's a yeah. magical he's like a magical tumbleweed yeah, yeah, yeah. named Sage. I think I, yes, yeah. I've seen that shot. Yeah. I've seen that screen. Wow. <laughs> it's the part he was born to play. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He's waiting for that role. Nailed it. Strangely enough, it was on cable last night. I went and revisited Knock Knock for some strange reason. That was one weird movie. It was like his version of Misery. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. And in other news, I'm sure you've all heard this. We always love to throw a, another news story out there on the Pop Goes Culture podcast. From Rochester, New York, Willie Murphy was getting ready to go to bed at her home in Rochester, New York, when a man pounded on the door and said he needed an ambulance. Murphy told WHAM, wham. She called police but wouldn't open the door. Then she said the man broke in and skulked through the dark house. Quote, he picked the wrong house to break into, Murphy said. She clobbered him first with a table. (laughs) Then she poured shampoo in his face while beating him with a broom until the police arrived. Quote, I was wailing on that man, Murphy told the Democrat and Chronicle. Quote, because I said to myself, if it's my time to go to hell, I'm taking him with me. 
<laughs> the man got his ambulance ride after all. He was sent to the hospital, and police tweeted a selfie with Murphy, calling her, quote, tough as nails. Murphy works out almost daily at Rochester's Maplewood YMCA and says she can deadlift 225 more than twice her weight. She can also do one-handed pull-ups and one-handed push-ups. She won the National World National Powerlifting Federation Lifter of the Year Award in 2014. Quote, she really helps dispel the myths of aging, said Michelle Labou, a program coordinator at the Maplewood YMCA. Murphy is, quote, a strong, beautiful woman who does things for the benefit of others, Labou said. Murphy says she hopes her story inspires people of all ages. She's like what 80, a badass. Isn't she? She's 82, I believe. 82. Yes. Yeah, 82. 82 wow. years old. Is there anything to say? Is, is there anything else? Is there any other punctuation you can put on that story besides... Damn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Give, give the woman a medal, put her on CNN Heroes. Exactly. She's the hero we need right now. Absolutely. Not the hero yes. we deserve, but she's the hero we need. I agree. So that is kind of the scripted portion of this. We want to open the floor to you guys. If you have any questions for anybody on the panel about anything you've heard today, anything you haven't heard but you've always wondered about, whether it involves podcasting, YouTube, entertainment, pop culture, anything at all, just let me know. I've got the wireless mic here if you have questions. We will try to answer those. I don't see any hands. If you have any hands that come up, stop me and let me know. We are going to then move into a fun part. But before we do that, I want everybody one more time, give us kind of the rundown. What do you have going on the rest of this year? Where can we find you online? Let us know uh, where people who are listening, who are watching on YouTube can find you, find your shows, find your YouTube uh, and again, like I said, if you've got something big planned between now, you know, the holidays are coming between now and the end of the year, uh, where can folks find you? And we'll, again, we'll start with Josh over in the corner. Hey, stay connected. Josh Grisham, Tim Church on Nerd Informants. It's going to be a big rest of the year for us. We're hoping to God we're not going to be in therapy for a long time after watching Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> going to be big reviews on that across the interweb, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, turning into 2020, we're looking forward to being a huge part of BransonCom. We're going to be moderating all of the celebrity panels there in case you missed the announcement. We're bringing Hercules himself, Kevin Sorbo, to Branson. He's one of the headlining guests. Alongside major, major Power Ranger news, like the Morphin Grid's going to be alive in Branson, Missouri. Stay connected to us, though. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just type in Nerd Informants. We are easy to find. Oh, is it me? What do you got going on? Uh, dying, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's so busy. Um, uh, well, I've got a lot of uh, cosplay stuff. Again, I do a lot of events. Next year, I'm going to be probably at all the exact cons you just listed, but I'll be in, like, I'll be with a giant cosplay with, a tw like, a five-foot shield that's, like, 12 and a half pounds, so you'll, you'll find me pretty easy. <laughs> he's thinking about it. Yeah, he's thinking about it, but um, you can find me typically with Kira Kira Springfield. I'll actually be in the Christmas parade for Springfield. Next weekend, we'll be dancing and floating. You probably won't recognize me. I won't look like this. Um, and then UCL and Fanatics and the Fan, of course. So I'm just kind of around for the most part. Very good. How about you guys? Are you going to go on between now and the end of the year? Oh, gosh. We, you know, we are so busy right now. Normally, you know, it's award season, so all these movies are coming out that we get to see, that we are privileged to see. <laughs> and, um, yeah, if you head over to sitpop.com or... Uh, do you want to plug away at CinemaSins in case the uh, people, people the nine listen. million people who are not <laughs> subscribed already subscribed to it? Uh, no, no. They, they, we've, there's enough publicity for CinemaSins. Let's talk about Sip Pop, shall we? Sure. Uh, the, uh, the end of the year for us is a lot of fun with top ten lists. Uh, for me, personally, I do a top 41 list, my favorite 41 list. <laughs> 
and uh, that releases throughout uh, January uh, to the end of January. Um, and then our writers for SIFPOP.com also will be posting their top 10 um, of the year. And so that's pretty much what it's about. And then in January, um, we'll do some coverage uh, from Los Angeles, uh, from the Critics' Choice Awards. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a big time of the year for us. And then we've got our own movie awards. We've got the SIFPOP Movie Awards. Yeah. It's the last uh, Saturday of the year uh, when that drops. And uh, we will do our own version of... Our, our own little sit pop Oscars. Yeah. The we're, we're normally fairly close on what we decide to be the best movie of the year, but I think this year it's going to be. Unless it's, the, unless it's The Last Jedi, and we're yeah. on completely <laughs> opposite sides. Of the exactly, yeah. Movie, so. yeah. Very good. That was the most. Uh, can, I, can I tell that story just real quick? Yes. Sorry, I don't sure. No, go for it, please. Okay. So we go to a press screening of The Last Jedi in Kansas City, and. Um, I walk out of the theater and I'm talking to some people and I get in the car and I'm like, wow, that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then Aaron pops up and he says, well, that was one of the best movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I thought he was just being funny. You know? right. like, but then a f during a three hour ride home, I realized, oh, he was serious. He loved that movie. <laughs> and it's one of those things that as soon as you leave one of these press screens, people will go on their Twitter and start posting about what they thought of the movie. Right. We were in a room full of critics, so every single person that we saw the movie with loved the movie. All the critics loved this movie, and I kept thinking to myself, did I just see the wrong movie? What did I see? But it wasn't until you know fans started posting how much they hated the movie, and I'm like, validation. <laughs> there wasn't a fever dream. I really yes. did see that. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, just tell me wait for your people. I got exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. Keith, what do you guys got going on? Oh, well, uh, Gary and I are looking at traveling to all the different conventions. Uh, let's see, Planet Comic Con. Uh, well, starting with Planet Comic Con and also Vision Con. Uh, all the way to uh, Archon next year, game. We're just going to be hitting them all. And, and spreading love and joy and happiness and, and my occasional dark cloud as I crush dreams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, especially if you're a Star Trek Discovery fan. No. Um, but, uh, let's <laughs> say what? Yes. Well, it, it, is, it is hard not to like the Orville. <laughs> but um, uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to attempt to redo a James Bond episode that we had recorded that I don't think went off very well for us. And uh, hopefully with the new movie now approaching, we'll, we'll, it'll be better received. Uh, and, you know, just do what we do. You know, that's all. Spreading that geek love. Tom Lacey, what do you guys get going on over there? Oh, uh, well, we're still looking for the bathroom, actually. Uh, you guys have been absolutely no help. But for the end of the year, we actually have a, uh, a handful of online collaborations with a few other YouTube channels, uh, uh, a couple of UK buddies of ours, for one. And then we actually just finished up our hosting duties for an online community thing called YouTuber of the Month. It's a way to uh, help drum up some exposure for some of the smaller channels out there, very community-driven with the votes and everything and the no nominations. And next year is going to be a very busy year. I think we're going to hit a just a couple of conventions. A lot of conventions, <laughs> a lot of out-of-state conventions. So it's the first time we'll hit out-of-state conventions, so it's kind of nerve-wracking for that. 
but uh, but hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Curtis, Stephen, you, you guys want to tell us a little bit about what Fanatics and the Fans has going on between now and this year, going into next year? Uh, we got a few things going on. I can't <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long day for some of the Fanatics and the Fans. <laughs> We do have a Star Wars podcast that we'll be recording on Tuesday. On Tuesday, so we have speculation as to whether we think it's going to be good or not. Um, as for other than that, we are going to Yeah, we're on short film projects, which I'll be writing and possibly be behind the camera sometime this afternoon. Cool. Will that be your first time behind the camera? Huh? Will that be your first time behind the camera? Um, something that wasn't. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, other than the projects we're working on, on together, I've uh, got a couple more uh, I'm working on right now and early next year. Um, like I said earlier, you can find me every second and fourth Friday at the Springfield Improv. And next month in January at the Springfield Art Museum, I am a part of the Fourth Night Convention. Very good. Very cool. Anybody, anybody want to speak for Pop Goes the Culture podcast? Because I'm losing my voice. You do it so well. Damn you all. <laughs> Every one of you. <laughs> uh, we are going to be, uh, this obviously will go out. We've got an interview scheduled later on this week with uh, an actress from a Marvel television show on Hulu that drops later this week. Okay. Uh, we've got our Star Wars reaction podcast later on. We are actually kind of, for those who aren't following us normally, uh, we're on our break <laughs> right now. This is vacation time. Um, because it's the holidays, we aren't on our regular schedule. But going back into January, we'll be every week. Uh, we record on Thursday nights at the Alamo Draft House and here in Springfield in the media rooms. And each and every one of you and each and every one of you are always welcome to pop in, jump in on the conversation if you've got thoughts. And I went and saw James Bond this week, and I've got to talk to somebody, and we don't record till next week. You're welcome to join us any Thursday night at the Alamo Draft House. And I've been trying to get some of these people in this room to join us uh, for a while now, but that invitation is open to everybody. Uh, it's a good time. If nothing else, just sit and watch the interactions. Um, we have a good time. It is, uh, it's a lot of fun. We have a good time. Uh, and again, like I said, we'll be back to our regular schedule in 2019. Be sure to subscribe to all of our guests on YouTube, social media, the podcast player of choice, so you'll know when new episodes are available. Some of you, I know, have Patreon accounts as well, so you can show your support that way for local creators. And even if you don't ever want to spend a dime, if you've enjoyed today's panel or anything that any of these people are doing, leave a review on YouTube, on the podcast player. It's, it's really cheap. It doesn't cost you anything but a few seconds. And it's one of the best ways you can show creators of any type, whether it's an artist, a writer, just show them some appreciation uh, by leaving a review. We all appreciate it. I know uh, we would appreciate it if you guys did that for us as well. Let's wrap it up with a pop quiz. And we're going to open this to our panelists and to the floor. If you think you know the answer, let me know because I have a microphone and we're going to give away. We have eight questions. We have eight prizes. We have six minutes. So this is going to go quick. Question number one. It's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from atop what building in the holiday feel-good film Die Hard. We are looking for the name of the building, and your answer is? Nakajima Tower. Nakajima Tower is not correct. It's really close, though. Oh. It is, what am I doing? It is, it's Nakatomi. Nakatomi. Nakatomi Plaza. 
Keith, let's find you a prize. Let's find you here. You, go. you can open that. Oh! Go ahead. You, oh. get, a, you get a present. All right, number two. Ta-ka-ing. Question number two. Curtis, you cannot answer this question. <laughs> In the Star Wars Holiday Special, what was the name of Chewbacca's son? Tom? I, I'm ashamed I know this. Lumpy? Lumpy is the correct answer. I'm so sorry. So's Lucas. <laughs> it hurts the heart. You guys can open that. Go ahead and open it. See what you guys got. That is your present. We need a buddy comedy with Lumpy and Baby Yoda. Lumpy, Baby Yoda, and Grandpa Itchy. He's taking them for the ride. Yeah. Go ahead. Open it now if you want. Go ahead. Uh, number three in the holiday film A Christmas Story. Ralphie needs an official Red Rider carbine action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock in order to protect his family from what outlaw? Does anybody know the name of the outlaw? Is it Bart's Bandits? Close. Anybody up top know? Is it Black Bart? Yes, Dakota, you get a prize. Black Bart. We are going to hand that up. Catch. No. Crash <laughs> I'm going to set it right there, you guys. Can take a look at that. All right, number, what are we on, four? I think we're on four. Number four, the lead singer of what 1970s proto-punk band, early punk band, played the ghost of Christmas past in the Christmas movie Scrooged. We are looking for the name of the 1970s band that this actor slash artist, musician, performed. You've already got a prize, Keith. You're disqualified. Oh. <laughs> Anybody know? For money. <laughs> Nobody knows. We'll skip it. All right, we're going to skip that one. We'll come back to it. Think about it. Don't Google it. Number five, what is the name of the pizza place that delivers Kevin's order in the Christmas movie Home Alone? Josh? Little Nero's Pizza. Little Nero's Pizza is correct. There you go. There's your prize. A little you filthy animal. That effect. How much do I owe you? <laughs> Number six, the third game in this popular series is actually a prequel. It features Batman taking on Black Mask at Christmas time. What is the name of this game? Yes. Arkham Origins is correct. There you go. Feel free to open those guys. Number seven, in the holiday film National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, what did Clark receive as his Christmas bonus? You've already got a prize. Anybody know what Clark received for it? You've already got a prize. Just, just. What? Stock in jelly beans? Incorrect. Curtis, you already know this one because this question came from you. <laughs> it was a year-long membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. For you, Stephen. <laughs> and number eight, and we'll come back to the other one here in a minute. Number eight, according to the holiday song, where was I when I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus? Where was I? No, that's not where you were. Or where I was. Where was I? <laughs> no. Was he under the chairs? Looking through the window? No. Where was I? Yes. I was on the stairs when I saw Mommy kissing Santa Claus. That is your present. And we'll come back to the one that nobody got. The lead singer 
of what 1970s proto-punk band played the Ghost of Christmas Past in the movie Scrooged? Anybody know the name of the band? I thought it was the person, not the band. Not the Velvet Underground, no. All right, somebody else. We're gonna go. Out. We're gonna. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take this out in the hall. Yes. <laughs> Taking it to the streets. Hey, I got a question for you. Question. Somebody's gonna get this package if they know the correct answer. In the movie Scrooged, starring Bill Murray, there was a, an actor slash musician that played the Ghost of Christmas Past. What 1970s? Early punk band. What is the name of the band that that musician fronted? You, sir. The police. Cor incorrect. Anybody know? No, not Oingo Boingo. <laughs> yes, try it. I know it. Is it what? I know it. Nope. I know it. I know it. It was no, not the LA Dolls. The New York Dolls, come get your prize! Hey! All right. Hey, gang, we appreciate, again, everybody being here. I hope you guys have had a good time today. I hope this has been fun. I hope we can reconnect again, uh, certainly throughout the holidays and into 2020. Uh, I want to thank you guys again. appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for being here as well. I hope you guys enjoyed the presents. Again, my kids picked those out and wrapped them, so do, do with that what you will. This has been, I thought you would like that. This has been Geekmas 2019, presented by Fanatics and the Fans and Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, and all of our wonderful podcasters and YouTubers. Thank you guys so much. Ten minutes from now, we're going to open those doors, and we're going to have the costume contest. So if you're interested in that, in be sure in here. Be sure to stick around for that as well. All right, man. I think that's going to wrap up this mid-December episode of the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. We're not done, though. Even on our break, we're going to do at least one more of these before the break ends. Uh, be sure to check back on Christmas Day. You're going to be able to catch our recap and review of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Getting excited. Tickets are purchased. We're going to watch yep. it. And then uh, that sometime that day, right before Christmas Day, we're going to sit down, at least Kenny and I, who knows who else, are going to sit down and talk about our thoughts. There's a lot of heavy baggage this movie has to carry so we'll see if it pulls it off or not yep. if this is the end of the saga are they able to stick the landing you can find out on Christmas Day when we give you our thoughts on Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and then we're getting back to our regular schedule and format the first full week of January 2020 you can join us at the Alamo Draft House in Springfield Missouri every Thursday night at 7pm that starts again on Thursday, January the 9th. You can hang out with us in the media room. We're on the north end of the back lot. You can enjoy all the food and drink that the Alamo Draft House has to offer. You can just hang out and watch the show as we record live, or you can grab a microphone and jump right in with us. Give us your thoughts and comments. New episodes will be released the following day. That's going to start on Friday, January the 10th. Be sure to subscribe to the Pop Goes the Culture podcast in your podcast player choice. You'll know when all of our new episodes are available. And if you've enjoyed this or any episode of the Pop Goes the Culture podcast, take a moment, leave a review in your preferred podcast player. It doesn't cost a thing, and it really is one of the best ways to show your support for anyone who creates any kind of art, whether it's you know a writer, whether it's a musician, whether it's an artist, whatever the case might be, in this case, podcasters. Uh, all you got to do is leave a review. I know that would be a great Christmas gift from our fans and listeners out there would be all kinds of glowing reviews. 
on but, whatever your podcast player is. We'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll even take the ones that aren't all that glowing. At this point, yeah. we'll just take a review. Um, because it helps us too. If it's not a glowing review, it helps us know what it is that you're looking for and what we can do to get better. So let us know what you thought of our interview with Clarissa, uh, season three of Marvel's Runaways. Once you've binged through that, let us know what you thought or what you think were the top stories in entertainment and pop culture in 2019. You can post a message to our wall or tag us on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us by searching for at PGTC podcast links to our social media, all of that and more at pop goes the culture. Dot com. I think we're done. I think that's it, man. That is it. That was a good been, one. It was. I have been Joey Mills with Pop Goes Culture Podcast. K-Dub with the same. And you can join us again on Christmas Day, Rise of Skywalker. We're going to be talking all about it. We will see you then. Later. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.